Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura. And I think we're going to talk about the NHL this week because I just can't keep it in because the game was, we're recording this on Sunday, the game, the hockey game was last night and we are talking about this. I have a feeling we would talk about it second if a different (laughs) result happened. But it's not only that the Stars won, they looked really good. And like, I know people always like to talk about how good Tampa looked after Dallas had the lead. And here's the thing. Score effects are like a very real documented thing. They happen. They happen to every team. And so I, I still maintain that Dallas was amazing and also protect Dobie at all costs. Truly. Oh, my God. Please. Um, there, there was one part in the game yesterday where he was like behind the net getting the puck and one of the Tampa players, I saw him going, I was like, please dear god do not run into him he didn't he stopped but like you know there's always that like feeling of like what if a player is just like i'm gonna take this goalie out because that's their number one dude on the team and that was like my fear it didn't happen thank god but it's always my fear anytime doby's like out of the net like getting the puck i'm like oh god someone someone protect him honestly even when he's in the net let's be real there are so many times where it's like he's gonna get smushed and the thing I I was I remember as I was watching the game I didn't watch all the game but as I was watching the game last night and I saw some of the saves he was making I'm like unless something drastically changes Dobie's your con Smythe winner if the stars win I love that for him because because so here's the thing like goalies sometimes don't like Matt Murray for the Penguins didn't get a consummate either year but that was also like there was a player who was consistently amazing throughout the whole playoffs and like and also it's not just that there was a player there was a name because Sidney Crosby won it both years and Jamie Benn has been really good at really important moments Mm -hmm. but it's not like a consistent every game you're like whoa there's Jamie Benn yeah Similarly, with, I think even less so with Tyler Sagan. He hasn't looked, like, as amazing as you would expect. Mm-hmm. The people who have been really amazing on that side of things have probably been um, Dennis Gurionov and Yoel Kiviranta. And you're never – I mean, he would have to score 50 goals for you to be Conn Smythe winner Yoel Kiviranta. <laughs> it's just, like, never going to happen. Even if he legitimately was the best player – never going to happen yeah. and like I guess you could say maybe like Miro Heiskanen could be an okay but even still with how young he is Hudobin is going to get it unless like yeah for the rest of this series some veteran it would have to be like Radulov, Sagan, Ben Pavelski one of those four I was going to say Perry but I'm like let's be real it's not going to be Corey Perry <laughs> so let's just go in that realm of reasonable and now we're talking like they already won the, the, the tournament and I don't want to say that because we still have predictions to get into yeah. but it was just something that like you think about when you watch it and that's mm-hmm. how you know a goalie is playing a good game is when you're thinking the whole time if they win this like it has to go to him because he, he is so because there have been legitimately like, most of the games in the Vegas series mm-hmm. Vegas looked better yeah and it was just Hugh Dobin was, and Leonard didn't look bad. He looked very right. good yeah. for a playoff goal, very average for a playoff goalie, but good for a normal season goalie. And it was just, Hugh Dobin was like God level amazing. Yeah. And the thing about, like, like you said, he's been freaking amazing this entire playoffs run. But like, even last night, like, he just looked e- like 
on a whole other level. Like he was reading that puck every time. Like he just made it look way too easy at times for to like they're not it's not going in. Um and the only goal that was given up was just a stupid goal that wasn't even his fault and it basically bounced off three skates and then kind of just was pushed in by hints, unfortunately. Um but I thought like he looked like another level sharp on Saturday. But that's when you know, like, there's a clue you can listen to in the broadcast when you're like, okay, I'm not just seeing things. The goalie is actually playing well. When Eddie Olchek or Brian Boucher start saying, well, the other team, they really need to try to, like, get bodies in front of the goalie and because like, it seems like you're going to have to get a deflection to get a goal. Yeah. It's like if you have to get a deflection to get a goal, if that's what they think it's going to take, that means the goalie is playing amazing well, amazingly yeah. well. Because they won't say that about everyone because it's not true. And so I, I think it's interesting. And it's such a cool – it would be such a cool story. Even no matter what happens, it's such a cool story because he never played a playoff game. He's, he's 34 yeah. years old. He's been a really good backup for a long time, never played a playoff game. And – no matter what, he was, like, he, he helped them weather the storm and, like, was their solid, like, solid, consistent player through everything. Mm-hmm. But considering that not too long ago, the Stars goalie tandem was Pari Lettinen and Antti Niemi, it's, like, it really was. Because a lot of people looked at the Stars and was, like, they're, they're so talented that the talent's there. The goaltending is just like, what are they even doing? They're paying too much money for goalies who aren't that good. They went out and get get Ben Bishop, which was obviously very important and huge. But I would argue, clearly this season is proving it. But just with the way goaltending is now, we're the 1A, 1B kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anton Hudobin as your 1B puts you, the differentiator it gives you amongst so many other teams is enormous. Yeah, and I honestly could not even imagine, like, where uh, – well, first of all, I couldn't even imagine the current stars getting to where they are right now. But, like, if they didn't have Dobie, it, like, it can't, it can't even imagine where they'd be. And so this kind of – okay, first of all, prediction – no, we're going to – I'm calling an audible hook because you said <laughs> that. I can't even imagine where they are. And there's this thing I've heard on a few podcasts by analytics nerds. And it, it, it says, show me what, what the media calls a good coach, and I'll show you a good goalie. Show me a fired coach, and I'll show you a bad goalie. And it's so true if you think about it, because Vegas, their coach led them to the Stanley Cup final. They beat, they swept L.A., and they scored like six goals in four games. Something insane like that. And it was just Mark andre Fleury he refused to let a puck in at all. This year, he had a sub-900 save percentage to the point that's why they went out and got Robin Leonard mm-hmm. because it's like we can't trust him going into the playoffs. And Gerard Galanka fired midway through the year. It wasn't as if his tactics suddenly became that terrible. Mm-hmm. It was just the goalie was so huge. And that's not always true. There are some legitimately like coaches messaging wearing thin. The personnel changes and the coach's philosophy doesn't work for the personnel. But – goaltending is a huge thing and it can really make a difference because we were talking about like the Rick bonus of it all and it's like I was telling Morgan before the show I'm like there is no way he he hasn't already been told that as soon as the season is over that job is his because 
he got them yeah. to the final at very least and maybe even won it. And the thing about it is if Anton Hedobin is an Anton Hedobin, there's no way they make it past Vegas. But you can argue that they get eliminated even before that. Like, yeah. There's so Because think about it's like it, it was especially apparent in the Las Vegas series, but think about Dallas Calgary. And it was a huge advantage because Tam Cabot was fine, mm-hmm. but he's what a, a below average playoff goalie. Yeah. And, and even the Stars didn't really play that well against him. Yeah. And so it's like you look and it's like realistically any of the series they could, lo- could have lost. And then we're not talking, we're talking about is Rick Bonus getting offered and all of that. And it's like, well, his coaching philosophy didn't magically change. Right. Like Anton Hedobin was there, Anton Hedobin wasn't there. Yeah, that's true. And so it's kind of the interesting thing about how fleeting it is. If the goaltending doesn't hold up next year, he'll get that year. If they yeah. if they win the Stanley Cup or even go since they went to the finals, they're not going to fire him after one year. Yeah. Things would have to be catastrophic. But yeah. he'll he'll get a year, maybe grace period, maybe two max. But if all of a sudden the goaltending isn't what it is, and Hudobin's a free agent, so if the new tandem isn't what this tandem was, then all of a sudden people are going to say he's a bad coach. And listen, I might agree that it's the right conclusion, but people got there for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I, I am interested to see, like, obviously it's going to be offered. Even Jim Neal already said he'd, he was off, going to offer it. I'm interested to see if he'll take it just because everything that I've heard, some of the things that he said, it, it, he didn't seem like he really wanted the job. He just felt obligated to take it. Um, I think I said that in the quick hitter as well. So I don't – part of me has a hard time even seeing him accepting it because even – he doesn't really seem like he really wants to be doing it right now. It's just the position that he's in. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he takes it. And if he does, what next season is going to be like for him as a head coach starting out the season knowing, okay, I'm going into a new season as the head coach. Because obviously it didn't happen this last season. He somewhat, it was forced upon him. I mean, he could have said no, obviously, but he – clearly felt like he had to say yes um so I'd be interested to see that like I'd I'd be willing to give it a try if I absolutely have to um and I get that I'm probably gonna have to um here's an interesting thing fingers crossed that it goes well an interesting thing though he didn't really get he didn't get any choice at all in his assistant yeah and if he really knows the limitations that he has, like, hey, I'm getting up there, hockey is way different than when I first started coaching, all of that, like, I still think I can do this, but I really need, like, some great minds. Mm-hmm. So let me go out and find goaltending coach, like, every every good head coach needs one because goaltending is such a specific thing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, let me find, like, the defense seems to be fine. Like, we, we have the defense figured out we're good on that but let me find someone who can structure an offensive strategy and a power play and all of that stuff around being successful and if you're a young up-and-coming coach who's really brilliant and but you can't get a head coach job yet this it would be really attractive not just the fact that you're going to a good team also the fact that hey this guy is basically is giving me a lot of autonomy saying like run Mm -hmm. this do this which a lot of head coaches don't get and so it's like, it's a, it's an, 
a chance to do what I want. And if I, they believe in themselves, like I would imagine they do, then it's like, and if this is successful because of how it is set up, I will be a good head coaching candidate because of how important that was. And so I think it could change a little bit if he has different, if he has more of a say in who all of the assistants are, Mm -hmm. because then I think maybe it can kind of structure around who he is. Right. Yeah, I get that. And speaking of power play, I, now that I'm, now that I'm about to say, I don't, can't really remember if I actually read it. Um, I think Sean Shapiro wrote an article about how the stars have somewhat restructured their power play towards like the end of the Vegas series. Um, now that I'm like thinking, cause I swear it came out like earlier this week. So now I can't even remember what I read or if I actually read the article or just the headline, but I'm pretty sure I read it. Cause I think now like Guryanov's had more chances on a power play. And I will say that Saturday's game, as far as like how the stars looked, even for all of it, not just the first and second period, reminded me of the first game against Vegas where they came out like, well, they won it 1-0, so they only had one goal. But they looked super strong coming out in that first period. And I thought they kind of had the same look against Tampa, but better because they seemed to like take what they did in the first period and keep it going throughout the whole game. And they had two power plays at least two that I remember off the top of my head in the second period. They didn't score on those, but they actually looked really good in those. And it was like the first time I was like, wow, they had a power play and they didn't score, but like, I'm okay with it because they actually had chances and took shots rather than passing for two minutes. And it kind of an interesting thing. uh, And I'm not saying I saw Dmitry Filipovic, the number one Dennis Gurionov stand tweet about this. And he, I think he recognizes, and I recognize, of course, it's not a perfect comparison, but he was talking about that overtime winning goal that Guryanov had on the power play. And he was talking about how it was like a typical OV power play goal where there's like the OV spot in the power play and everyone knows, I don't think everyone knew it was going there for Guryanov, but everyone knows it's going mm-hmm. there and it still ends up there and he still gets a goal and he'll be out there for like the whole two minutes of a power play because he just parks in that spot. And moves like very little in, in that spot to find a lane and then shoots. He doesn't skate a lot. He's just like in his spot. Yeah. And, and it's like, but because it's such a good shot, you can build the whole power play around that strategy. And your first and second unit then have the advantage of having that amazing shot. And it's kind of an interesting strategy. And it's it's further to like a power play thing that I think hockey's evolving on, where instead of having just like this is the strategy that's in vogue like everyone's doing the one three one so we're going to do the one three one or something like that it's like looking at what your strengths are and playing to that so like it used to be every single power play was basically like a normal forward lines where you had three forwards and two defensemen then someone's like well why do we need two defensemen on the power play we're just in the offensive zone most of the time let's put one defenseman out there and now every single power play is one defenseman and four forwards but it's like if you're a team who has two really offensively skilled amazing defensemen why wouldn't you want two defensemen out there or conversely if your defensemen really aren't that great at offense 
why can't you put five boards? And the, Florida actually tried it, flirted with it a bit last year. But it's just one of those things where I think instead of saying, well, this is the strategy that everyone agrees is the best strategy, looking at your team and saying, okay, what does make sense for this skill set? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all the interesting stuff. So with that, predictions? Um, I, in the, in the bracket I made with one of my friends that I've been basically going off for this too, um, I picked Tampa in six and I mean, everyone that's listened to this, I'm sure like this is not their first episode of the podcast that they're listening to. So they know I picked that, um, for reasons, but on the off chance that someone's just decided to start with episode 19 for the first time, I'm picking that purely out of superstition right now because at this point I do truly believe in the stars and it kind of hurts to pick against them but I'm also not going to pick them and jinx it and the other so yeah I'm picking Tampa too partly because I picked against the stars and I gotta do you that solid (laughs) but also because Tampa is so amazing that it's not a crazy pick. It's not like Chicago yeah. somehow found its way in the finals and you're like, I'm right. picking Chicago. It's yeah. like, no, like Tampa is widely regarded as the most talented team in the NHL. Yeah. And now I think a huge, I think a factor in this is Braden Point. Does he play mm-hmm. and how, how well, like how much percentage? Because if he plays anywhere near 100%, that's the next factor. Like the games they lost, the two games they lost against New York were both the games he had to sit out with injury. Every other game, they, every game they won, he played in. And I know the broadcast made a point about like the Ranger, the Rangers. Oh my God. Um, the stars. Um, I don't want to say attacking because that sounds bad, but like essentially zeroing in on point just to like make sure he never had any opportunities and clearly it worked um I I just really hope that their momentum from the game one they come out exactly the same in game two because I feel like that kind of burned them against Vegas whereas like because like game two was the game where they just did not like it was suddenly like okay what happened to the stars like where did they go because game one, they looked good. And then game two, it's like, oh, well, Vegas figured us out. So we're going to revert back to what we used to. And I just really don't want them to do that now, which I can't really imagine them doing it now because of like, like how they worked on that on game one versus Tampa versus the game one against Vegas was like different. Like they, they both looked really sharp, but something about against Tampa, like everyone looked way sharper than they had been even at their best so far yeah and yeah so I I this is going to be a really interesting series and I really I'm really excited for it I think Dallas Tampa is a good interesting matchup really happy it's Tampa and not the Islanders (laughs) everyone is saying like Dallas is like New York no they're not New York Islanders are legitimately played boring hockey it's just yeah. sexy to say the Dallas Stars play boring hockey because they have good defense. Their hockey is not boring. I will say the Stars do have the – which they didn't last night, which was surprising. Usually if they have a – I was going to say solid lead, but even if they have just a one-goal lead going into the third, they tend to play boring hockey in the third because they're like, oh, well, we have the lead, so we can just bore the other team to death. 
um, which is what they did in game one versus Vegas. If you go back and watch that third period was the most boring period of hockey ever. Um, but they won, so it was fine. And I didn't have to have anxiety for the last part of the game. Um, but there was there, they haven't really played a boring period. And the I have the lead, let me play boring and hold on to it, is not a Dallas Stars strategy. It's a, <laughs> like an active thing that every like team knows is going to yeah. happen. Um, and when every team gives up a league, what, what is the cliche their coach says? We were playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Like, you just Which, know that's yeah. So it's a thing that happened. And also, I think I've said this literally every series, and I think I even said it in the quick hitter last week. Tampa legitimately scares me, and I think I've said that about every Stars opponent. So, and since it's worked so far, I might as well say it again. But Tampa does actually scare me. So, like, the fact that they the Stars looked so good game one makes me even almost more nervous. I'm like, but, but I know they can do it. Like, they looked so good against Tampa. So, I figured this was kind of a good transition, too, because we're talking about some of the, like, mental aspects and stuff like that. The article and stories that have come out about players and their families Mm -hmm. coming to the bubble. When this first came out, it was like basically sold. Like I, every reporter was saying like, it's a done deal in the semifinal. Like everyone's family gets to come in. Yeah. And basically it's like the hotel is going to turn into apartments for everyone's families. And it's like, okay, that's really cool. That's a good idea. And then like last series, you're like looking around, you're like, why is no one sharing? That their families are like you'd think that they'd want to shout that from the rooftops let alone like post every instagram story ever that they haven't yeah. got the last few months and then you come to realize that there were government problems like there were government rules and stuff the government came in is like wait can we do this and so now it's like only people from canada but then even if you're in canada there are quarantine rules such that for a lot of people because of how big canada is there's like a certain area you have to be in for it to realistically make sense. And the thing about that, I don't blame the government. The government has to make the rules that it feels are in the best interest of the, the, the people of Toronto and Edmonton and all of that. Like, I don't blame that at all. The thing is, it should never have been promised to the players as a way to just be like, okay, family issue done. This is promised. This is a done deal. If you didn't have it in writing from all of the government officials that mattered that it's a done deal. If you don't know that it's a guarantee, then you say, we're going to do everything we can, but no promises. And I think one of the things that also, like, hindsight, kind of like, oh, well, we should have known it wasn't going to work was because when you think about it, essentially, if all, if families, any players' families were allowed to come during semifinals, Theoretically, they would have had to quarantine in Canada, like, two weeks before that. So, what, like, round one, maybe halfway through Mm two-ish? And since we didn't hear about anyone's family doing that, and also by then, like, you'd still have, what, eight teams-ish worth of families? Yeah, so a bunch of people would quarantine for nothing. Yeah, so it, it kind of hindsight, I'm kind of like, oh, they it wasn't really thought through as well. Um, but you see where the Canada thing is different because right. they only made them quarantine for four days and have negative yeah. tests all those days. Yeah. But the thing about that is had they communicated that, had they communicated like, 
hey, it's going to be more of a problem coming from the U.S. to Canada than it is going to be coming from Canada to Canada. I would think most of the hockey players who have home bases both in where they play and in Canada would have would have their family come and live in Canada mm-hmm. just because it's like well you we're, you're in a home we own either way like you're not right. quarantined but then if it, this works out then you there and can realistically do this but because they weren't told that I think they a lot of them stayed in their locales just figuring like we're not going to have much of an off season like right let's not move all the way back home and then come back it's like meh. so also the only person player that I've seen that has family in the bubble is Dowling am I wrong in that like I haven't seen any so, Tampa the article said Dowling is the only one so far but then they said the Sagans and they mentioned like the fa- like the mom dad and his sisters and then Jamie Alexiak's parents okay. were quarantining actively right then and we're going to like probably come in interesting that's still not as many like I would think like Jamie's parents Vancouver's a tough one though Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and they have the new granddaughter. I just don't know that they would come. Yeah. It's just, and because even, like, the stars posted a, a short video of Dowling and um, his adorable daughter and his wife, and even his wife was saying, like, it's easy because they, she just drove, like, they live, like, three hours away. So, mm-hmm. like, first of all, she didn't have that far to travel, really. But then she also mentioned that a lot of the stars' players a lot of them are from Europe. So while there are, I think, like, two people from the U.S., so their family can't come. And then at, at first I was like, oh, well, like, half of them are Canadian, so they should be able to go. But then I was like, oh, no, really? It feels like they're, like, 80% from Europe. So I feel like that does suck because it's really, like, only – four or five players families can be there but it is cool that they do the videos because I have noticed they've done like videos from different players family on the boards they said they're learning about that though because some players apparently didn't know about the videos until they happened and they're like listen like I really like that my family did videos and I'm not saying no but you got to warn me because having that kind of emotion while I'm trying to play a hockey game like you can't do that you got to either show them after the game and and so the team like because it was just some like media coordinator they learned from it they're like yeah you're right and so I think they're telling everyone if like hey like keep a lookout if you score a goal we got like a thing from your family yeah Oh, I, think I didn't think about like, that. How cute would it be if we surprised you? It's like, yeah, but you're doing that mid-game. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking, I was like, oh, that's really cute that they do that. I did not think about it from, like, a player's point still, of view. It's so cute that they did that. It's just yeah. a thing. So the last section of our NHL talk is going to be called the blue section. So go ahead, groan for Morgan right here. <laughs> I mean... Look, I figured Montgomery was going to be coming back eventually. And I didn't really – I wanted it to be with the Stars because, again, no hard feelings. And, like, he was a great coach. But I was like, okay, if he's not with the Stars, that's fine. Just as long as, you know, he's got his crap together, he's good, he wants to coach, cool. I kind of thought maybe Colorado, since he had, like, coached at the university there, I was not expecting it to be St. Louis. And I'm actually pretty offended by that. And – yeah, I feel betrayed. I feel very I was going to say, if, if I asked you to make a list and, like, order of, of teams you don't want him to coach for, I'm fairly confident that St. Louis would be number one. Yeah, I, I feel very super betrayed because, like, also, 
let me be real here. So he started coaching the stars when I also started watching the stars. So I feel like we have like that common bond between us, even though I don't know him. He doesn't know me, but like he's the first head coach I ever knew of. And now he's betraying me like this (laughs) and going to the enemy. Like Jim, I thought we were cool. But if he's, if he's as good as I've always heard he is, hopefully this is a very short-term thing. I just, I'm betrayed. I'm, I personally feel betrayed. Because there are a lot of head coaching vacancies. And there always are True. every year. So, we'll see. But the other St. Louis Blues thing that has been making a lot of attention is mm-hmm. the Alex Petrangelo talks. Because free agency is on October 9th. So pretty much once players, once teams get eliminated, they're starting to try to try to re-sign all of their unrestricted free agents and free agents. They're trying to get everyone that they can on their team re-signed because it's just not that much time. So Alex Petrangelo is the big free agent for the Blues. And obviously the whole income, flat salary cap definitely puts – a new spin on everyone's plans, not just the Blues. That's the thing every team is facing. But it's basically they basically I think went to Alex like we can offer you it's like six point five is something really lame, and he's like, no, I don't want that. And so what I actually heard posited that I think is a fairly decent theory is it's been very public now. Of he's explore, he wants to explore free agency. His agent has said that Alex Petrangelo had pulled the Athletic on the record of like just where they're at it's not where I I, like I want to be in St. Louis I love St. Louis but like that's not a number that works for me so I'm going to see what I can find elsewhere and it's almost like he's trying to use the media and like saying like I'm serious now and court offers and stuff Mm -hmm. to get the blues to up their offer the thing that makes it so tough this is the right hand side of defense which is usually a hard thing to get so I give the blues credit for this however They've got Colton Pareko making $5.5 million. They've got Justin Falk, who they traded with Carolina for and then promptly signed to like a $6-plus million extension, I believe. And then they've got Vince Dunn on an entry-level contract, who is way too good to be a third-pairing de- defenseman. And so you, you look at that, and it's like Alex Petrangelo plays the right side. So first of all, it leads you to the question, and no one's still been able to ask this, why the heck did they trade for, Vin, uh, for Justin Falk? He's not as good as Alex Petrangelo. And now when you're looking at the money, it's like, well, you could take that money off the books if you just didn't make that silly trade, and then you would have more money with which to sign a better player. Seems kind of silly, but... That's hockey men for you. It's like they win, and then it's like, well, I didn't quite, like, nothing was quite perfect, so let me <laughs> fix it. And then in fixing it, they end up breaking it more. <laughs> that feels like every sport, not just hockey. Um, but I did have a question. So is it normal for teams to be making trades and signs and all that during – playoffs or is this just a COVID? This is very weird. So normally what happens is the playoffs end in like early to mid-June. Right. And then it's like, I think last year was June 24th is the draft. And there's always a ton of trades on the draft day. And so you see a bunch of that happening. And then July 1st is free agency day. 
and everyone signs within like the first few hours. But then you'll also see some trades because July 1st is also when signing bonuses are due. So you'll see teams like Toronto pay someone paid the signing bonus to their player and then he's super cheap. And so then they just offload like on the Steve Dangle podcast, they were talking about doing that with Frederick Anderson because Frederick Anderson has one year left on his contract. And yes, he's a $5 million salary cap hit, but he is owed 4 million in signing bonuses and 1 million in actual salary. So if the Leafs pay the signing bonus and then offload him to like, like say even Pittsburgh, if we trade Matt Murray away, then we get, a year of Frederick Anderson, and since budgetary concerns are a real issue, we only have to pay a million actual dollars to him. So that's so, like a big thing that people try to do. So that's why trades happen on free agency. Uh-huh. And like the Blues actually had that with Ryan O'Reilly for the opposite reason. Like it, it could have happened later, but the Sabres were like, no, it needs to happen on July 1st. Because basically, how it can happen on July 1st is the bonuses are due by like 11.59 p.m. on July 1st. So the team can either pay it really early on July 1st. It's due like sometime on July 1st. So the team can play it really early and then trade, thereby meaning the, the team they're trading with doesn't have to pay. Or they can wait, 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 which is what they did with Ryan O'Reilly, offload him to St. Louis and say, well, we're only training Ryan O'Reilly if you pay the signing bonus. But if, if it goes after July 1st into July 2nd, then Buffalo would have had to pay the signing bonus. So that's, you'll see a lot of trades happen July 1st or sometimes right after just for mm-hmm. that signing bonus reason. But it's going to be very different this year because it's, the draft is pretty a few days after the um, final, I think. And then I think it's like October 1st maybe is the draft. And then like October 9th is the free agent day pretty sure October 9th for sure is the free agent day but it's like super fast compared it's like condensed mm-hmm. and so it just kind of means that all these teams that are out have are trying to get everything done like as soon as they're out their dreams like okay resign guys and figure all this out and also they're out and the salary cap is not what they thought it was going to be and their income as a franchise isn't what they thought they'd be so like Pittsburgh was assuming because of how the playoffs were and then the income in the league and everything that their budget was going to be the maximum salary cap, which they would think at minimum would be like $82 million, which it was 81.5 last year, but they think it's 82, 82.5, something like that. And instead it's a flat cap at 81.5, but beyond that, their income wasn't what it was. So they can't even afford the 81.5. So now it's like, got to scramble and so that's why you're seeing a lot of stuff happen okay got it because at first I was like um this is feels like they're not supposed to be doing this but no one's saying anything so I guess it's fine if if your question is right now is like is this normal the answer is like more like more likely than not no yeah that's a that's a a quarantine (laughs) rule and COVID rule true but yeah so that's that's what's going on in the NHL right now um but we also have to talk about MLB And Morgan, I don't know if you wanted to cover the teams that we have guaranteed playoff sports because or playoff spots because it is kind of getting towards the end of the very abbreviated season. Yeah, so we only have one more week of baseball of regular season baseball, which is really weird. I honestly didn't think we were even going to get to this point. So, yeah, Um, 
I guess we can start before we get to playoff spots. We can start with the other news, which is that Justin Verlander, um, I guess, announced on Instagram that he's getting Tommy John surgery, uh, which means obviously he's out for the rest of this season and more than likely all of next season. So we won't even see him pitch until 2022, which sounds like a fake year. Um, I don't even know what his contract, what is left of his contract, but I think 22 would be his last season with the Astros. I'm not sure. I didn't look it up. Um, to quote my my favorite Rangers broadcaster who said it today, I don't really care. So um, I didn't look it up. Here's the thing. I, I, I just like my personal thing, and I think everyone's yeah. expressing this. You don't like say, oh, I really want this player to get Tommy John. But at the same time, it's hard to like play your violin for an oh, yeah. needing surgery. Yeah. Oh, it's it feels very much like karma. And I feel okay with saying that. Um, mostly because Tommy John is usually not a career ending surgery. Um, if it was a career ending surgery, I wouldn't really say karma, maybe. Um <laughs> I, it's not personal. It's sports here right now. Um, but uh, part of me is also like he probably should have gotten it sooner than now because I think he's been on IL for like a month now just trying to basically avoid Tommy John. And usually anytime a pitcher tries to avoid Tommy John, they just end up getting Tommy John anyway. So part of me is like he should have just gotten it to begin with. And I don't think he's gotten it before I believe this is the first and only time he's gotten Tommy John if I I don't know if now that I'm saying I'm like can you get it more than once I think you can I don't know because so I just learned this really weird like I don't really look into Tommy John surgery because it's all about ligaments which is my least favorite word ever um it grosses me out and I don't know where I stumbled upon it I think it was because someone was talking about like an elbow surgery that another player was having. And they were like, unlike Tommy John, uh, cause apparently Tommy John, you're replacing a ligament with a ligament, which grosses me out. Yeah. So I'm thinking you can have it more than once. I think I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that. I'm not an expert, but I'm going to go with pretty sure. So I think this is the first time he's having it though. But man, that I saw a thing yesterday where I was like, it's Houston's like, not even dominance, but, like, their era of being good, is that over with? And I was like, God, please, yes. It happens so quickly, and then it's just plummeting to the garbage. Like, that's all I want. Here's the thing, too, I think. So there's a very real thing of it's a lot harder to hit the ball when you don't know what's coming. That clearly, I think, unquestionably probably has had an impact on their results. But Mm -hmm. also – there is this weird, like, karmic thing, like, because everyone knows Tiger Woods, his life fell apart, and then he was not a good golfer for, like, a decade. Like, he only just won a, like, major tournament, like, a couple, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And think of how long ago his, like, whole scandal, divorce, everything happened. So I kind of think, like, the psyche of a team Mm-hmm. when it when like you become public enemy number one and in a way so much I like, tiger obviously his actions hurt his family it wasn't mm-hmm. just purely self-destructive but it was nuclear like it, it was very contained destruction yeah not like it, it destroyed the entire 
like sports world, Houston yeah. Astros, literally every team, like the, I, I remember listening to Yankees fans who hate Joe Kelly because Joe Kelly was like, did kind of awful things to them when he was on the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Now love Joe Kelly because literally every team that isn't the Astros hates the Astros. And that right. psyche, even if you like, you're still good players, the psyche of that. Yeah. And it's also, I think the biggest thing about it too is like, they don't really care that they cheated. They didn't apologize. And when they somewhat kind of tried to, it wasn't legit or meaningful. So that just makes it even more feel like karma. It's because like, you could have apologized and pretended to mean it and you still couldn't do that much. So now sports gods are just going to punish you. Um, also, I went to go look up his contract, and the first article that popped up, it has my favorite headline. Why losing Justin Verlander to surgery marks beginning of the end of Astros' sad legacy. I would argue the beginning of the end is the whole, like, getting caught cheating thing. That, right. that athletic article is probably the beginning of the end. Um, let's see. He... But, okay, I also was thinking about when you were talking about, like, the karma of it all and like they're like how they handled everything I also think this is like a true I'm gonna get a little philosophical here mm-hmm. but like I'm okay I just have to to plug right now I, I checked out from the library the subtle art of not giving a fuck uh-huh. and it's an absolutely amazing book I think it's I have so, that book it's so good it's so just like to the point and direct and one of the things that kind of makes the point of it is like if you think like every pain or everything that happens in your life is like all of a result of your situation, it's like you have no role in it, then like you're never going to be happy. You're never going to move out of that. And it's kind of a similar thing. It's like, if you think you had no, if you don't, if you don't live in reality, if you're not going to say, okay, this happened, it wasn't good. Like be honest about the fact of like, we can't do this. Whether or not we think we should be able to, we can't. And we did this. And we got caught. Now we need to find a way to move on. But if, you don't, if you're not saying that, if you're like, well, this is a witch hunt and blah, 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 you're never going to move on from that. Yeah. And um, I just looked up his contract. He is a free agent in 22, which means the Astros might never have Verlander pitch for them again. Most likely. 99% chance. So that sucks for them. You can tell we're all really destroyed <laughs> by this. Very. So, and, and the funny thing is, like, I kind of liked him as, like, an athlete when he was with Detroit. Like, he was pretty chill. I thought he was a good pitcher. And now, like, it's not even that he's an Astro that makes it bad. Like, when he was traded there, I was like, oh, man, a good pitcher going to my least favorite team. It's like, no, he's kind of a – He's kind of a dirtbag, too, because, like, I don't know, at one of, like, he got some, I guess he got Cy Young last year or something. I don't even know, because I didn't, couldn't care less. Um, and I think he made a joke about, like, or he got booed, one of the two, maybe both. He made, like, a stupid joke about cheating or whatever, this scandal, <laughs> and it was dumb. And so then that was kind of also kind of the point, like, oh, you were on a team of cheaters, and yes, you're a pitcher, so you kind of... I don't think get as much slack for it because you're a pitcher, not a hitter. But then if you're going to joke about it and not even like 
be sorry about it on behalf of your teammates, like, then you're also a tool. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to feel sorry. It's hard to really feel anything. Yeah. Like, well, okay. Fine, I, right? I, I saw that and I was like, okay, well, I mean, sure. It's not on my team and you're on the Astros, so. And it's like, I don't even think anyone who isn't an Astros fan cares. Like, or yeah. is, is at all, I mean, I think some fans, like I think Yankees and Dodgers fans might actually like celebrate that. But I think <laughs> a lot of people are like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Like, I think it would have been way bigger news had A, the Astros never cheated, and B, if he wasn't on the Astros. Like, he could be on Detroit, who I'm assuming sucks right now because I haven't paid attention to them. But, like, if he was on a very bad team right now, like, I think people would still care more then than they do now. Did that even make sense? I yeah. was trying to listen to myself at the board. No, but it's like, okay, so you Darvish is a Cubs player, but if he if that happened to him, you'd be like, oh, that's so sad. And I think a lot of people yeah. would feel that way. And I think it just, it's a product of... It's like, well, and I think there's the karma of it all. Like, if you don't care what we think and the fact that you cheated us all and that we're upset, then why should we care that you're hurt? Yeah. I mean. Hard to argue with that. He still got the World Series ring, so whatever. Um, (laughs) Do we want to talk about the playoff team? Yeah. (laughs) For other ambivalence. (laughs) Uh, So 16 teams make its playoffs. Uh, the season, the first place and second place of every division, as well as two. Is it still? I'm asking you, like, I should know this. Two wild cards from each league? No. I think there's yeah. more than that. So then it's not 16 teams. No, I think there's 16 teams. But it's 16 at the it, after the wild card but series. But I think it's like, there's like a, oh, whatever. I don't even know. Is it four? It's not four wild cards from each. It might be I from don't each know. league. This sounds so dumb. I looked it up. Why I am I like, like this? A very, a very limited number of. You know what really screwed me up is reading their playoff thing last week. Like that totally just broke my mind. It's um, way too, con- and this is not just a them thing. There's a lot of really confusing things. So it's it's two wild cards, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's three divisions in each league, two from each of those, and then two wild cards in each league. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, there's two wild cards. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, 16 teams. Okay. (laughs) Which, now that I'm – there has to be other rules to this playoffs because now that I'm thinking about it, the first and second place from each division – those are usually division series is five games, and usually the the wild card series winner would play a division. But now, when they have the wild card series, that makes odd number of teams. So I don't know how to, I'm talking out loud because I don't <laughs> even want to look up this because I know reading it isn't going to help me right now. Um, we have a whole nother week to figure that out, so it's fine. 
doesn't make any sense to me right now. Because I don't think there's a buy for any team. I don't know, because none of this makes sense. Anyway, let's just talk about the teams who already have a spot. Um, Because that I do know. So, no one has clinched a spot as far as, like, first, second, or wild card. All these teams could easily end up in any of those positions. These are just the teams who are guaranteed to be in the playoffs. Um, No particular order. Oakland. AIDS. I don't some some of these I put just their city and then others I put their team name and I don't know why I do that but all works. It's fine. <laughs> Oakland, Yankees, Padres, Dodgers, White Sox, Twins, and Tampa Bay. Which I think half of those teams, if this was like January and you said pick 16, first of all, I'd ask why the heck am I picking 16 of 30 teams to make playoffs, but whatever. If you told me to pick names, I don't think I would have said White Sox, Padres, Tampa maybe might have been on my radar because they did go to playoffs last year. Mm -hmm. But I think the White Sox and the Padres so far on this list, and what, that's seven teams, are the most surprising. Yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely an interesting – it's been an interesting year in, like, the younger generation, I think, coming forward mm-hmm. a little bit. And maybe not the teams that you thought were going to, like, be the next big great teams kind of coming in and being great teams. So it's been interesting in that regard. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how the playoffs, like, once we have all of these teams – who comes out of it? Because obviously there is something to the fact that this is a really fluky season. So you can't necessarily deduce that like the people who make it farthest are like, those are the teams of the future. Right. But it is going to be interesting to see just like how against all of that elite competition, how that all works. Um, and I promise for next week's episode, I will have a full breakdown of how postseason works because not only is it confusing because second place teams are in it, usually the wild card series is just a one game series, and then that wild card goes on to play the number one seed. Like, let's say East and West play each other, and then Central and wild card. But now it makes no sense because there's two of each, and I don't know if it's like the East plays the East, and then that one gets it, or what. So I'll have that all figured out next week, I promise, because by next week there should be a bracket because I think this I think the season ends Sunday so we should have like everything known by then um (laughs) if the season ended right now at 9 30 central time on Sunday um Tampa Bay would be the number one seed in the AL which is surprising to me because I have I just got MLB Network back last week, so I'm very super out of the loop, but I would not have guessed Tampa Bay being number Neither one. Neither would I. It's kind of, they've been quietly good. Right? Because I'm like, can I even name a Tampa Bay player? I don't know. I bet um, I thought it would be like Oakland or uh, yeah. San Diego. Those are the two I was like, is it going to be Oakland is those? third. They oh, have... San Diego's NL. Sorry about that. No, you're good. I didn't even, you said it and I didn't even think of like, oh no, that's the wrong league. Um. So Tampa Bay would be first, White Sox second, Oakland third, Twins fourth, Yankees fifth. Um, Houston would be sixth as the AL West second place. And then the two wild cards would be Cleveland and Toronto, which Cleveland is surprising because I don't really follow them as much either. But based on tweets I've seen, I thought they were tanking. 
because they've traded a lot of players and they just seem like a team that's headed towards a rebuild. So the fact that they would be a wild card team is interesting. Yeah, I was thinking as you were listing that off, the White Sox, I wouldn't have been surprised either because they're quite good. And I've yeah. heard about them a lot. Yeah, but Tampa Bay, I'm like, young. oh. Yeah. Um, also, since we're keeping track of this like we did last week, Seattle is currently four games behind Houston for second place in the West. And they are about to start a three-game series Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then Seattle has off on Thursday. And then they play four games against Oakland. So, obviously, always root for Houston to lose, um, especially because they're playing Seattle and the Rangers this week. So, definitely want them to lose. And then you just hope Seattle wins. Like, that's everyone's main goal this week is to root for Houston to lose and Seattle to win. That's your only job this week. And We're all watch Seattle hockey. fans this week. Yeah. And watch hockey, but, like, for MLB, those are your only yeah your only jobs this week. I just – um, as something random I wanted to bring to the uh-huh. table. I've heard some like random weird like this is so Mets stats and someone thing came across it's a little old but it's, you're gonna love it. It's so Mets. So this is from August 3rd. The Mets have scored four runs for Jake DeGrom tonight. He is 21 and 17 with 28 no decisions in 66 starts since 20, 2018. Had New York been able to score four runs per game? Prepare yourself. He would be 59 and three with four no decisions. I think I've heard that stat before. I'm just like, and the other one, the other, I, and I don't have it in front of me. I was looking for it. There's another one too that's like the amount of no decisions he has, whereas earned runs are two or less. It's like, it's like 80. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, and it's like, well, four it's runs a- isn't like that much. I mean, for the Mets, sure, but like, but think about any other team. So you start going, he was 22 and 17 with 28 no decisions versus 59 and three with four no decisions. Neither of those are realistic. If he was playing for like the average team, he's going to be somewhere in the middle, but the middle is probably going to be more towards the 59 and three than it is the yeah. 22 and 17. But also like Mets literally just score on his games then. Like don't bother trying to score on any other games. Just save them all for his. And like, that's the four thing they can't that score. And it's so sad. But okay, if there is one thing, it's the death of like people caring about pitching wins. Because everyone's like, Jake DeGrom is legitimately like, if not the best pitcher in baseball, like he's he has to be in every conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And he never had is never never anywhere close to having most wins because the Mets are train wreck. God. Um for the NL, um Oh, yeah, their, their race is, like, way tighter, obviously, considering Dodgers and Padres are the only ones in that league to um, clinch a spot. Uh-huh. Um, so I think this is going to be more of, like, really what you want to watch this week. Um, just because then everyone is so close that I really think it could come down to, like, the outcome of Sunday's games as to the rest of – the teams that clinch um so Dodgers are number one Chicago is currently second in the league um then Atlanta which they also kind of surprised me for being third just because 
they're also somewhat like Tampa. We're like, yeah, they, they were in playoffs last year, but we really haven't heard that much about this. I will say I can actually name people on Atlanta, which I don't know that I can name people on Tampa. I can only name, currently off the top of my head, name one, but that's because he was a former Ranger. Freddie Freeman. Oh, yeah. I Acuna. always forget about him. Acuna okay. plays for them, I think. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else, but I can name those two for sure, which is two more than I can name who are on Tampa Bay. Right. Um, San Diego is fourth. Miami Marlins. They're currently the NL East second place and fifth in the league. Which is surprising, and honestly, if it was um, based on – because it's not based on percentage on this, which is weird. I don't get – okay, I'm going to stop looking into this because nothing makes sense to me the more I look into MLB, um, which really is that surprising. So they've actually caught up in games. They're 28 and 25, which remember when they missed like 14 games because – and they then even after they that, went. they were trotting out people like they would bring in people you've never heard of yeah. because they needed bodies. I was yeah. half expecting them to to trade with the Mets for Tebow, just to like let's get <laughs> someone out there. Which I've never ranted on here about Tim Tebow being a baseball player, and I could literally do a whole episode of how much okay. I hate that. Allegedly being a baseball player, correct. Trying to be one, that just. Yeah. That's a whole different episode. Um, <laughs> sixth, um, St. Louis. Seventh is Philadelphia. And eight is the Cincinnati Reds, which I also would not have guessed. The Reds are interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think I can name a player on there. Having watched a few of their games. Oh, the I can. And, yeah, it's it's the – who's the, the – have a Bauer? good first baseman. No, oh, oh Bauer. There's, like, a good – First baseman that I can't think of his name. But yeah, they have oh, a really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey Votto. Joey Votto. That's it. I, I was about to go the Canadian. <laughs> and that's the only thing I know about. <laughs> that's a, but it's like, okay, I know a few, like they have a few like legitimate stars. Yeah. So, but yeah. I think Philadelphia, because Philadelphia and Cincinnati currently are wild card spots. Mm-hmm. I think Philadelphia, I'm surprised that they're there, but that's only because I feel like they haven't been talked about as much and I feel like considering they have Bryce Harper on their team you would hear more hype about it and especially because like I feel like MLB network and broadcasters in general would make a big deal about like you if any other team was there you'd be like yeah but it's just a wild card spot but with it being Bryce Harper's team being in a wild card spot it you might as well say they're in first place in the in the league you'd think you'd hear about it more, but I feel like I haven't, and I I don't pay a little bit of like goldfish memory because like when Bryce Harper signed with Philly, it was like everything all the time. Let's talk about how the Phillies are the new dynasty. Yeah. And and they just like completely did not live up to expectations. And now I think we've gone too far the other way where it's like they're this massive disappointment. And so like, why even bother? And I think I also expected more because they have a new manager in what's his name? Former Yankee manager and the then he was on MLB Network. No. Oh no. Oh, I can see his I face. I can see his face too. <laughs> I'm gonna think of it. Joe Girardi. Yes, thank you. I was like, it's a G. <laughs> That's all I could I get like, out I'm of my head. I'm gonna think of it. Um so I guess 
in my mind, I also thought like, oh, we'd hear more about that as well because he hasn't been a manager for a couple years now too. So it's like, oh, he's back and now he's with the Phillies. Um, I guess I also thought because I love Andrew McCutcheon and uh, my mom is also his number one fan that I thought I would just hear more about it in general just from following him that they were in a legit playoff contention. Um, One random piece of MLB news that I just thought of, uh, Detroit, I almost called them the Lions. Oh my God. The (laughs) Tigers. Wow. It's been a day. Um, Their manager, Ron Gardenier, I think is how you say his name. I'm always petrified to say a name for the first time out loud. He yesterday retired effective immediately. Oh, wow. Yeah. And with a week left in the season, that feels very, like, like it would have something to do with health. I know we put out a statement. I didn't see it, so I don't want to say what it was for, but that first It's weird. Glance, yeah, because, I mean, I've heard of them just firing managers with a few games left. They did it with uh, Bannister last year. The Rangers did. But to retire immediately with just a week left, that seems... Well, and the word retire, not I, I need to step yeah. away for the rest of the season because of personal issues or because I'm having a health scare. I need to step away for right now. But yeah. Like, I plan to be back. Yeah. It's like, I'm done. I'm season. Which, whereas Detroit is 22 and 30. So they're really not that bad to be like, I'm done with this team. I don't want even a week left of them. Um, but interesting. So... With that, do you think we've adequately covered both sports? I think so. Do you want to do rant and rave? Yes, you go first because I'm still trying to think of my rant. So the the retirement thing actually makes a good juxtaposition to my rant. And I was watching the Cubs game tonight with my mom, which was on ESPN and featured Alex Rodriguez and Matt Vaskersian. And what happened was early in the game, there was this what should have been a double hit to left field. And Kyle Schwarber kind of misplayed it and then, like, didn't super hustle after it, so it turned into a triple. And obviously that's not great, but then, like, a few innings later, like, maybe the next inning or two, he's pulled out and, like, a guy I've never heard of, uh, Christian Marbley or Marbury or Marbury. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, and <laughs> was in the, ga- the game. And... They're talking about that. And then, so Kyle Schwarber went into the like clubhouse and then he was back in the dugout. And, but before they even spotted him, Alex Rodriguez says, there are only three reasons that you're pulled out of the game. Either you're hurt, you need rest, or uh, uh, it's a hustle heart issue. And I'm like, okay. How many players have had wives going to labor mid-game? Which one does that fit under? And so that's why it's like the difference between how we talked about the manager is like, here's a few things that could be, but we honestly have no idea and I don't want to speculate. Mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez definitively said that if someone is taken out of the game, it can be one of three reasons only. And it's like, no, it can't. It can be a lot of reasons. I mean, for all we know, an elephant trampled his house. I don't know. Anything can happen. So, yeah. like, nothing definitively can be, like, one of, like, come on. 
That reminded me of against the Vegas. I think it might have been the last game the Stars played against Vegas. And what's his face that's in the glass box? Boucher or Pierre? Pierre. He goes, Cogliano went down the tunnel, but he's just getting his skate fixed. And I was like, you didn't even have to tell us that he went down the tunnel because we never would have known because we're watching the game that's on TV. You could have just told us if you don't see Cogliano, he's getting his skate fixed. Yeah, or, you know, lead with Cogliano's getting his skate fixed. Like, you didn't – because it it, it it had to have been the final game because it was after – he came back after missing a few games – so, obviously, when he starts with Cogliano went down the tunnel, it's like, oh, God, he's hurt again. And then there was a definitive pause of, like, his skate's just getting fixed. And I'm like, well, like, just either lead with the skate getting fixed or don't bother telling us because none of us would have known until you told us. Like, the camera wasn't even on him in the tunnel. Yeah, and like, it's just... I think, it's- like... Like I could okay, I could never do a broadcast for a game. I'm just not talented enough for that because it takes a lot of talking, and especially in hockey, like I cannot see those jersey numbers for the life of me. So how they ever know who has the puck win is like a talent I don't have. But I do have a lot of issues with certain broadcasters, A Rod being one of them. Um, like some of it's just like, can you like even if you're just thinking it, just keep it in your head. Like it's not all of it needs to be said, and also. I get that the whole point of having a broadcaster is they're, like, the quote-unquote expert for that time being. But there is a way to be an expert in that you're actually telling people, like, what's happening and being useful. And then being, I'm an expert, so I'm going to say what I want because everyone else is stupid and they couldn't possibly know as much as I do. And, okay, Matt Fast version, I will say... Not everyone's favorite broadcaster, I know that. Mm-hmm. But he did a better job because, well, first of all, the first thing he did wrong is, we'll go wrong and right. First thing <laughs> he did wrong is they were doing the thing where they interview the player while they're in the field. Yeah. And they did that with Ian Happ and they lead off with, well, where is Schwarber? What's happening with Schwarber? It's like, that is not a player. You should not be asking a player, let alone a player who's out in the field. Yeah. So that was a little, and my mom and I both were like, that's weird. But then, he interviews Ross like the next half inning and that's the first thing he asks and I think that's totally fair mm-hmm. to ask the question because it is a, like everyone saw that Kyle Schwarber wasn't in left field so it is kind of a question people are going to have and it's fair to yeah. ask because a lot of times if there is an injury the coach will just dis- disclose it and David Ross very like curtly says he's fine he's fine like just yeah. like, really fast and then Magnus Gershon says okay it was a managerial decision and moves on and I thought that was fine because it's like yes it was like it's not that he physically couldn't play right that we were pulling him out for whatever reason right and that's like like it's didn't ask why was the decision made didn't speculate all of that I thought that was so much fairer than saying like well if a player is not playing it's for these three reasons and these three reasons only yeah and that turned into like kind of also my rant with that look I am not shy about saying this, but I cannot stand CJ Nikowski, who is half of the Rangers broadcast. Um, He tested positive for COVID on 
third Friday, Friday before the game. Yeah, because today's no Thursday is before Thursday's game. I'll get it right eventually. Um, and part of me, no offense, was kind of like, well, I'm not really shocked because that's a whole also a whole nother episode. <laughs> Let's just say he doesn't seem like the smartest as far as when it comes to wearing masks. I could be wrong. He's not going to ever listen to this. And no one better, like, snitch tweet him about it either. Um, But you guys are people. You wouldn't do that to us. Um, But so then they had the – they actually had the radio simulcast with the broadcast, which was lovely. Not the point. Um, But I always point this out on Twitter between him and – who Rangers fans know as Tag or Tom Grieve, who it was a former player. He even was a for, former GM for the Rangers. He used to do the broadcast for every game. He's cut back a few times, so he only does a few series here and there. But he came back for this weekend because um, obviously they needed a second person. And I think between him and CJ is a perfect example of a former player who obviously has knowledge about how the game works and very well could consider themselves an expert and I would probably consider them an expert too but the difference in how they show off their knowledge totally makes or breaks the broadcast I feel like because CJ has a way about him of like well since you guys have never seen a baseball game in your life let me tell you how everything goes and it's obnoxious and annoying whereas like Tom obviously he's played the game but he always acknowledges how it's changed, how it's different, and the other day went on a rant about unwritten rules, which I greatly appreciated, Um, but I feel like there are a lot of teams and sports that could do better with their broadcast in general, and like finding people who, yes, are experts, but also are relatable to us who have knowledge about it, but maybe not as much in a way that's not like I don't know. I don't know where this I always, went. I know. But... I, always, I always have, and I am. I'm, I'm going. I think I'm going to try to sum it up, but I'm not speaking yeah. for you. So feel free to talk. What I always think when I see, and this is obviously particularly in hockey, but I see it in every sport really. I'm like, when I see a former player who is just not that good as a color mm-hmm. person, and they keep getting trotted out there week after week after mm-hmm. week, just thrown out there, and I keep saying, okay. The amount of players, former players, who would want to be in broadcasting, who would like jump at the opportunity, and who are better communicators than this person is enormous. So why do we keep insisting on putting this person out there? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just kind of like, like you don't need to. There, there are options. Yeah. And I also, I mean, the broadcast is part of the experience of watching the game. And if you're constantly listening to people who are just like talking at you instead of like to you it kind of takes away from the experience I had an idea though it could be like a survivor style thing with the broadcast because you said the radio simulcast uh-huh. they should like have the option where you can pick the tv people or the radio picker and then every year reevaluate be like okay people prefer the radio so they're going to be the main t- like tv guy genius right <laughs> because like for the rangers especially Eric Nadell and Matt Hicks are the freaking best and I would I even bought a radio one year because I was like I'm not listening to the bro- tv broadcast but then it's like so delayed that I'm like 
I can't do it. I can't do the delayed audio or delayed video with the up-to-date audio. It just doesn't work for me. Um, but if they could do that where you could pick which broadcast would be genius. Right? Like which need the video? Because there are some games you can like turn to and you can choose like if you want the Houston broadcast or the Seattle broadcast. So why not do radio? You're on to something, Laura. You need to submit this idea. <laughs> they won't listen to it, but that's my idea. <laughs> um, but so rave time. Yes. So I've had this one for a while because I my my favorite thing to do on Instagram is to basically just troll Instagram stories and try to find cute kids with like athletes or their families. Like that's uh-huh. my favorite thing ever. Yeah. And Justin Dowling, whose family is now in the bubble with him, he had this video and it was the cutest thing and it was artistic too I'm like a plus sir because he had his daughter Perry in like the like jumper thing where they can uh-huh. it helps them stand up and then they can like bounce yeah and then he set that to jump around and it was just <laughs> the most perfect thing I've ever seen I watched it four times that it sounds was, adorable it was amazing so that's my rating that sounds like adorable and also like great therapy to just watch it was it was just like pure cute (laughs) um my rave should not be a shock to anyone carolina hurricanes we have raved about them a lot on here especially their social media because it's just perfect um and by now everyone knows how much i love petty and the canes are very petty however they have decided that they are going to be stars stands for the finals and they didn't really decide it on their own they did have a poll thank god mostly people picked stars i didn't even see the poll so i didn't get to vote but if they if they picked tampa i would have to unfollow them um but they picked the stars and not only did they just decide they're gonna you know cheer for them they changed like their entire twitter account like they changed the canes logo from red to green i think their like header thing says like Star, we stand, Kane stand the stars, or something like, like that. Like for now, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they, I saw, where was it? I saw a, um, I should have had it pulled up. Um, it said, like, their, their bio says, we just hope only the stars have fun. Hashtag go stars. Um, their header for on Twitter is, um, what the stars slogan, I guess, has been this season, which is, well, it's, it's be loud, wear green, go stars, but there says wear green, go stars in parentheses for now. Um, but I just like fully approve this and it makes me so happy because also I was a little mad about them being everyone's fans during the conference finals, but then they, they acknowledged that they were rooting for everyone in the finals. So I, I, I apologize for being mad about them on that. Um, but then like, they even tweeted good luck stars to end the game last night they tweeted in this house we respect toby and which honestly that was the 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 biggest part right there i can't wait for Guryanov to score a goal during this series because they better tweet about it well and okay they have to somehow relate it to andrei svechnikov who is also a young high-scoring, yes. dynamic Russian player. It just – it makes me so happy that my favorite petty team chose to stand 
my other favorite petty team. Like, imagine if Jamie has a very petty moment. They have to put a GIF of it on their account, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're obligated because of the petty connection. Of course. Honestly, I hope that, like, because you know how they made the shirts or whatever when um, Toronto's... Uh, oh, David Ayers. Yes. I just hope that if they that they're watching the series and if they get a brilliant idea of like a shirt, they tell the stars and then the stars make it. Like I just want collaboration mm-hmm. <laughs> because I love it so much. It's kind of perfect. So it really is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do we have enough this week? I think we had enough to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and let you guys go. There may be a, a quickie this or a quick hitter this week, or we may just hop on next week. But we'll see you when we see you. Have a good week, everyone. Bye, guys.